just noticed your little mindset is everything uh, poster back there. That is awesome. A little goldfish with the shark fin. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my. I don't remember if I was in my other office when I talked to you the first yeah, time. I, I think it was a little one because it was kind of plain. Yeah, I was I was in the process of moving, and right now this is my son's old room. My my daughter, she's twenty two. She has bought her own house. So when my son was home at Christmas on college break, he's a freshman. He moved into her room. So it's like, okay, I can finally have my office upstairs the way I want it. So the dogs barking and everything, I won't hear nearly as much. Um, but this room is still largely his room. If you saw over there on the other side of the computer, his mattresses are up against the wall. The bed frame is folded up and against the wall. And like two totes full of books and clothes are there. If you looked on this side, his bureau is there. There are two more totes there. I mean, it's, I mean, I could, it's a freaking mess, <laughs> you know? and, but, but I've been able to, I've been able to work this little tiny area out into, it looks okay. It works, feels a little claustrophobic because there's so much crap everywhere. And once I can get it out of here, once some of this freaking snow melts and I can clean my garage and bring stuff to the dump and that kind of stuff. I'll, I'll get things cleared. This is the time of year where I start to feel like the walls are closing in on me and the 20 degree days feel like, you know, minus 20 degree days today. It's like 45 outside and you almost want to go for a walk in a short sleeve shirt right? Yeah. because, oh my God, it's just so beautiful outside. And we haven't seen that. There's lots of snow melting and the sound of, you know, water falling off my roof and going down the street just to sound so nice. ¿Qué pasó, cochinos and sucias? I'm that pato gallo, the sucio supreme. You can find me at Cochino Chingon on Instagram, TikTok, sometimes Snapchat, and very rarely Twitter. Welcome to another episode of Sucias are my favorite. How are you doing? Ah, you know, it's uh, been uh, crazy since I talked to you last. Yeah, um, it's been a crazy new year, too. How's, how's everything going for you? Ah... Uh, it's been crazy since I talked to you last. Um, yeah, we, uh, we uh, in uh, December, both of my wife's parents died, uh, eight, 18 days apart from each other. Um, totally, unrela totally unrelated, totally unplanned, just one of those things, and that will freak out your world. And uh, we, we've actually had three other uh, not as close, but three other close relatives die in the same time. Um, so we've had five deaths in like the last two months um, on our on our. And the most recent one was uh, late last week. Was uh, my twenty three year old cousin who OD'd, um, and that's the first one from that generation who's died. So it's it's kind of weird. That, that is so much happening there. Well, first, like how, how's your wife doing? I hope she's okay with her parents. Cause that's, that's a big blow. It's tough for her. It's uh, it was hard enough when her mother died on uh, December 1st and then her dad died the 18th. And, uh, well, she was, I think just starting to get her feet under her with her mom when her dad died. And that has made the grieving comp process, the trauma process, very complex. Um, and, and that there, there's, there's, you know, you kind of see on TV how people, 
uh, grieve or how people behave at any time. You know, there's a reason people say the same shit at funerals. It's because they've seen them on TV and that's what they've heard other people say. You know, you hear about people talk about their mom or their dad dying, but you don't see both parents dying within three weeks as a show. So what seems to be the problem is she doesn't know how to do it or she doesn't think she's doing it right. And what she, what she has found is that she will often almost, you know, organically somehow pick one and that's the person she is mourning that day, whoever she needs to mourn more. Because she said, I wasn't done mourning my mom, but then my dad dies. How do you, you know, do you get extra, you know, do you get extra grief? Do you get the same amount of grief and you have to spread it out? Do you, you know, you, you, you don't know. So she's had some trouble with it. She is, uh, she's, she's probably medicate self-medicating a little bit more than she should in the evening so she could sleep at night. But as long as it doesn't turn into a problem, as long as, you know, this is a temporary thing that even if it takes three to six months, um, it is what it is and it's not disturbing her life. I, I let her have that, you know, extra glass at wine at night or, I give her a hit off the joint I'm smoking and let her, uh, let her chill the fuck out. That's cause like I said, there's no template for this. We don't know. We don't know how to, uh, her dad's, her dad's memorial service was last Friday. And one of the things I found interesting was sitting near the front, listening to people try to find something to say to her. Cause it's, it's hard enough. What do you say to somebody who loses their parents within three weeks of each other? Um, you know, you, you, the people who lose their parents within a few hours of each other, those are the ones who get to be on People Magazine. And those are the ones who get interviewed on the Today Show because it was so close. 18 days, you're not going to get any TV shows or any, you know, nobody's going to come and, and want to make a big deal out of it. But she still lost these two people who she spent thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of days with in her life. And they die within 18 days of each other. You know, that's, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's one of those things where there's still a lot of shock there. I think this is going to be a very long process and I'm just trying to be as there as much as I can and try, but at the same time, also try to nudge her forward a little bit. Yeah. That, that's the best thing that you're, you're able to be there for her to be her rock now. But I can't be her rock while she self-destructs. Yeah. But so then you got to be there for her as well. You know, try to keep right. her from right. doing all that. You know, my parents, they were decades apart, though my mom was when I was a kid. But, you know, growing up with machismo, you had to be, uh, boys don't cry. So I had to put on the face and I had to do all the prep preparation. Yep. And the uh, funeral director was just surprised that I was 14 at the time. And he thought I was, you know, just a young looking adult or a man. Yeah. And, you know, it was just like, Hey, you know, it, it has to be done, but that was just my mindset. And I was ready for it. Plus all the gang violence I saw growing up. There were so many people I saw that were already dead that, uh, my mom was probably the 40th person that I knew personally that had died within a three year period. So yeah. I was numb to, to grieving at that point. But for my mom, it was just like, also was expected because she had cancer. So it was like, right. I was ready right. for it. So I was grieving and preparing for it before she actually passed. Well, and that's the thing. Her mom was in the hospital for two months. And while, while there were times where it looked like she was getting better, it looked like she may get out of there. She never actually did. So there was some mental preparation. Her dad 
literally called us the night of her mom's uh, memorial service. And uh, that was the last thing he ever got to go do. We went to his wife's freaking funeral. The last thing he did was go to his wife's funeral. And he called us that night around one in the morning and said, I'm something's wrong. I'm not doing well. And it turned out two days earlier, he had had a heart attack. But because everybody was paying attention to her because her first service was coming up, even he was still out driving around getting stuff for it. And there was one point like a day before the funeral where my wife said, my dad's lips looked really blue today. It was kind of strange. And that was the only sign at all. And she asked if he was feeling okay. And he was like, yep, yep, I'm fine. And he ended up dying because, I mean, literally he ended up having a hole in his heart. and. And the doctors we talked to were like, you know, there is no scientific basis for this yet, but you talk to every doctor who is a cardiologist or deals with any of this stuff, they will tell you that broken heart syndrome is real. And, and what's funny is that uh, it always happens to the man. A, a, a woman can die. A woman dies. If, if they've been married for, you know, 40, 50 years, a woman dies a man doesn't know what to do. But if the man dies first, the woman goes on forever. She's fine. She's probably relieved in some ways. And, uh, and she's fine because they're because, because women are much more resilient or independent or whatever than men, I guess. I think that's because they have like a, a, a circle, you know, they have their emotional connection that they have, they can lean on and they know how to use it, you know, from, you know, whatever generation. Well, you know what else I think it is? I look at some of these older guys, you think about it, they had school, they had their coaches, and then of this generation, most of them went straight to the military. So they go from having their mom and their teachers and their coaches to having their drill sergeants and their superiors, and then they get out and they get married right away, and there's the next woman who's, woman who's taking care of them. And, it, you know, my, my father-in-law, you know, 79, 80 years old, said to my wife, has he ever taken care of himself? And I said, no. And it's like my, my sister-in-law lives with him or lived with him. And he, she was, my wife said, you know, hopefully she'll step up and do more, but no, he's never, he's never lived on his own. And 18 days later, he was dead. Um, you know, cause I, I don't think at, you know, at 79, 80 years old, there was a lot more to look forward to. There was a lot more to, you know, move on for the woman he loved his entire life was dead. And I don't know that he knew how to really handle everything he needed to handle on his own. And I can see how somebody's body might just decide to check out at that point. Um, and then I, uh, doing the porn addiction thing, I finally got my ass on TikTok in December because my speaking agent wanted me to because they said I got to build a bigger audience of younger people so I can go speak at colleges and shit. And uh, uh, they said, you know, can you get try to get 15,000 followers by May? And in the first two weeks, I had two videos go viral. So I've got like 66,000 people following me now. And 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 I've got like 20 million views of these videos. And yeah, I didn't and 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 that really changes a lot in your life. You don't even think about that. Like I all of a sudden went from having a small 
coaching, you know, stable of people who I, I, I dealt with to suddenly, um, if I wanted to, I could be coaching 24 seven. Um, and I don't, that's the thing. I don't want much more. I don't want many more than 15 clients. That's about my limit, I think, for what I can handle and, and for how much time I want to put into it. Cause I also like the speaking, the writing, the educating, the podcasts, all that. So it, that was really interesting. And now, you know, I open up something like Instagram now, and there are always 20, uh, emails there or messages there of people asking for help. And if I, you know, I open the TikTok uh, mailbox and people who think they're funny are sending me a ton of pornography um, and, 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 and not just like, you know, one guy, one gal kind of pornography. They're sending me some really interesting shit that I didn't even look at when I was an active addict. Um, and uh, so, so that because, hey, trolls are trolls, I guess. And, uh, you know, it is, it is what it is, but it's okay. It's, uh, it's, it's, when I, uh, whenever I've had anything bad happen in my life, whether it's relationships ending or, you know, getting in trouble with the law or having to try to get through, uh, my recovery, whatever, I just say, you know, as long as everything is interesting, I'm okay. I like not knowing, I, I don't want to have the, I can't have a, cubicle life where I go to the same job five days a week, nine to five, do the same thing. Don't feel like I'm making a difference. Don't feel like it matters. Um, and, and just keep moving. I can't do that. So, uh, I, I will take hard times that are interesting over boring times that are uneventful. Um, easily. And maybe that's, maybe that's not the healthiest thing in the world, but, uh, I just try to look at it with the point of view of, well, everything's, even if I don't know how to handle it all, it's interesting. How are you dealing with the whole, um, the internet fame now? Uh, what I've had to do, and I had to do this on TikTok. I had to do this on Instagram. I had to do this when I opened my website is recognize that there are people out there who, um, I screwed over royally when I went into, when I, when I, when I kind of abandoned my life and, and went into rehab and tried to get things together. I walked, you know, I was, I was fired from, you know, my business, but I was still part owner, but the other two owners decided to shut things down while I was away. And my vote wouldn't count anyway, because I wasn't majority. Um, I think that there were a lot of people who got screwed over money wise. I think there were a lot of people who got screwed over with other promises. I think that there are a lot of people who still view me as some kind of secretive asshole because while I was pretending I was a pillar of the community as a local politician and as the editor and publisher of the local magazine, I was hiding my porn addiction. And I think a lot of them still think I'm an asshole because of it um, and that I, I lied to all of them and I betrayed all of them. Um, when big things happen for me, like the TikTok thing and being seen, you know, I can't be seen by, uh, there's one video that I did that I just looked and it just passed. It reached 6 million different people. And it's like, I can't do a video that reaches 6 million people and odds are not have them hit somebody who already knows me 
you know, somebody's going to see it and somebody who doesn't like me or who still has resentments towards me or maybe knows I'm a porn addict or knows something else about me and has decided, has filled in blanks on my story that aren't even true, um, will, uh, will get a little bit uh, nasty to me. Like I can, I can handle a troll making fun of what I'm doing, whatever. But I had a bunch of personal attacks from people who obviously knew more about me than they were letting on that were kind of nasty. And I, uh, I, I conversely seeing how many people are actually taking it seriously, how many people are reaching out for help, how many people are talking to each other in just ending up in a conversation stream on, on my stuff and, and are taking it seriously and are being serious. Uh, for the first time, I feel like I'm reaching a really, really wide audience. I mean, I know I can do I can do Instagram and end up with two thousand people, three thousand people paying attention. I can go on podcasts and get anywhere from a hundred to ten thousand people listening. But to do something that gets six, seven million people, I mean, there isn't going to be a TV show on tonight that has six million people watching. Um, and and I've got a video that had that many people. So it's cool to see the people taking it seriously and it's cool to know that you know when i I'll, I'll get a message from somebody it's like dude i found your videos two weeks ago and i haven't looked at porn since you know this is a lifesaver and i don't know who they are i don't know what their story is i'm not going to dig into it but you know if if whatever i and i also you know smart enough to know it's not me doing it it's them but if I was able to give them a little motivation, if something they heard clicked and nothing else has clicked, I'm very grateful it's happened. Uh, you know, for, for the minor inconveniences and the little bit of, uh, of, of maybe pain, you'd say, that it caused me personally, having to adjust to the fact that, you know, there are just still some people out there who are assholes and are always going to be assholes to me. Um, it's been very good. Uh, it's been very good. I'm getting more clients. Uh, the people who are, you know, my, my speaking agents were so friggin' impressed that, you know, I have five times the people they asked me to have in, you know, one third the time they asked me. I think they kind of see dollar signs behind me now. Like, oh, we got to book this guy into colleges next year because, you know, there's some money there. So hopefully that's cool because, you know, if I can uh, if I can go and give one or two speeches a month and it's a paid vacation of sorts or, you know, I, I, I get three grand for giving a speech and someone's flying me out to, you know, Southern California or a warm weather climate in January, oh, I'm going to be all about that. So uh, they seem to be excited. They're jazzed. And that's because of the TikTok. Uh, the TikTok going big has given me 500 more people on Instagram. You know, it's got more people looking at my website than ever before. So overall, I mean, I, I'd say 97, 98% of it's been really good. It's just adapting to, holy crap, suddenly millions of more people know who I am. And, and to most of them, it's like another guy on TikTok, scroll, whatever. I know I, know I am nobody for 95% of them, but... Even 5% of a million people is a lot of freaking people. Um, and I feel like maybe I am finally making a difference, which is uh, not that I didn't before, but I feel like I'm making a difference at a level 
and at a uh, at a just quantity that I never imagined before. And part of me is like, why didn't you get on this a year ago? You know, you could be a year ahead of where you are now had you just got on this. And and I constantly didn't want to because most of what I see on TikTok is stupid. But you don't have to watch it. I don't use it as a consumer ever. I, I, I don't sit there and just scroll because it's either too sexual for me, it's too insipid for me, or I'm just not interested. And so I don't use it as a consumer. I use it as a producer. Um, I guess it's like someone who you know makes pictures for OnlyFans but doesn't have a porn addiction themselves or doesn't look at porn themselves. This is part of my business. This is now part of my business plan. I'm glad I'm helping people with my business, but it's part of my work. And there are times where it's, you know, I try to put a video out around one o'clock every day. I try to put a video out around seven o'clock every day. Some days I don't do both. I don't get to them. Some days I'm just too tired. Some days, but I look at it as this is my job. This is part of my professional responsibilities now. Um, and, and I know a lot of people don't look at TikTok that way, but that's how it's, that, that's how it's going to uh, be in my life. Hmm. I, need, I need to do that because I know I'm just, just to promote the podcast, even if I could, and the, the guy, my idea is to get to be able to help people like you. Like I've had two people say, Hey, my relation, well, one, my relationship is better. The other one's like, okay, I have a better perspective on what to look for in a partner now. Um, I'd like to hear that a little more frequently, but I have to put in more work because no one's just going to find my podcast out of the well, blue. Well, but, and, but that's the thing is, is that, you know, I, um, I use, and I haven't done this for a few months, even before TikTok, but I used to solicit podcasts to go on. Hey, I've got an interesting story. Let's do this. This might sell some books. Maybe someone will listen and want some coaching. You know, that's cool. And, and then I go look and, hey, 500 people listen to me on this podcast or, hey, 2,000 listen. That's cool. And then you see the freaking number on TikTok and it's like, oh, 6,226,000 listen to you. And it's like, oh, uh, okay, I can't match these numbers anywhere else. But the, the caveat is I can come on your show and talk for an hour and get deep into some things. Whereas on TikTok, I've learned not to do a video longer than 30 seconds, or you're going to see the numbers just absolutely drop. And I, uh, you know, you have to learn these little tricks. And, and to me, TikTok, the messages on TikTok are like Cliff's notes of Cliff's notes. Um, and there's very little there. And it's almost a matter of having to, uh, having to just get good headlines, having to create clickbait and then hoping that people, follow up otherwise, but with 6 million people, you're going to end up with people who are exactly what you need, exactly what you want, exactly what you're looking for. And those who aren't, I, I don't have time to, to get too wrapped up in you. You know, that's, I, I'm only one guy who's suddenly exhausted all the time. It's more, it's more lazy on my part is that it's, it is going to be another part or another job doing TikTok or Instagram or anything, making the videos, making the, you know, any photos. Well, is it lazy or is it self-care? I mean, that's the thing is that I, th I mean, there are some truly lazy people in this world, but I don't think they're inactive because, uh, they're just, you know, not interested. I think that they have other things going on that it's easy to just say they're lazy. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it, it, TikTok does not take very long. 
And if I would have got a thousand people looking at a video or something like that, and that's what I know, or 500 or whatever, I would probably still be doing it because I want to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get the, the speaking agents happy, but um, I had no idea what to expect. And like my first viral video was viral in like four days after I started. And my next one was about two, three weeks later. And they still have cycles where like the second one I did is going through a cycle right now where it's hitting 100,000 people a day, a little bit more. A week ago, it was only hitting, you know, 5,000 people a day and my numbers were down, but somehow somebody shared it. It got back out there. It's in the algorithm. I'm, I'm popping a little bit, just a tiny bit this week because, you know, people are singing. I know I'm getting over a hundred thousand views a day on it. Um, then when you get a hundred thousand, when you get that many people visiting, seeing it, that's when your other videos start to pop. Right. Um, go, oh, Hey, well, who's this guy and see more of their stuff. Yeah. yeah. And what's nice is that once you hit 10,000 followers, you qualify for the creator program. And that's where you actually make money on your hits. And that's where you can get, you can get tips during your lives and people can you know, give you money that way. So it's not like it's very much, I think in the, in the month of January, uh, or no, I'm sorry, the month of December, I started, I hit 10,000 on December 18th, 10 days after I started. Um, and December 18th to December 31st, I made $353. So it's not going to set me up in Hawaii for life, but you know, Hey, there's my car payment. And if I TikTok, I'm going to be doing TikTok anyway, if I can make an, if I can make enough money in a month to pay my car payment, fantastic. It's like found money. Um, so that's been good too. That that's, that's definitely a bit of a, uh, a, a lights a fire under my ass on those days I don't want to do it or I'm too tired is that, hey, if this hits, there's money there. Um, and, and you know, there's money there no matter what, but you just got to be consistent, just got to put it out there and hope that people like what you're doing. And so far they're liking what I'm doing, which is uh, I didn't see coming. I didn't expect, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like I said, if I was getting a thousand views a video, I'd probably still be doing these videos. But it feels like I, if I, I put a video out now, within two hours, it's going to have 4,000 views. And then we will, within three days, it'll have 10,000. And then if it, then that's just an average one on a successful one, we'll get over a hundred thousand in a couple of days. And on really successful ones, who knows what that lifespan looks like. It's just, it's interesting. You know, well, with the lazy part is that. I prefer to edit videos on computer the way I'm, I'm used to. And then editing on TikTok, like I want to get so granular. Like I can't I cut out that quarter second out that I want to. And I was like, it's too much work. And that's, that's what I do. I, I, I record on my phone. Mm -hmm. I make my videos. I, I make my videos on my phone. The only, and I edit them on my phone. The only thing I do on TikTok is put in the headlines and put in the background music. Mm -hmm. But every other, when I'm filming, I'm actually filming not using TikTok. Mm, okay. um, I, I edit everything off. Cause yeah, that was, that was one of my problems too, is that I'm an okay editor. I can put things together well, and I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep, you know, trying to make sure everything's good in one take. Cause if I'm giving, if I'm giving a 30 second speech, if I, if I screw up in minute or second 25, I don't want to have to, you know, send it out there anyway. 
I want to redo it. And maybe I only want to redo that part or I want to insert something in it. So I, I do everything off to the side. I save it as an MP4 and then I just upload the MP4 to TikTok. Hmm. That might be a way to do it just to get out of there. Cause that was, that was my biggest frustration is trying to edit within TikTok and you know, there's, I, I flubbed a line and yeah. You know, if you're on a phone and you got sausage fingers like mine, you know, oh God, hi, it's, it's so, you know, impossible to get that. So yeah, no, I've had to, uh, I I've learned do everything off TikTok. The only thing I do on TikTok is apply the headlines and the music. Actually this background here, it's actually stuff I'm selling on eBay and it's, oh, neat. It, yeah. So it's been, um, it's been a lot of work because at, at first I thought, oh, I'll just throw everything up at once and just wait for eBay to, you know, put it up there. And I've been doing a lot of like, uh, DIY and learning stuff on YouTube and TikTok. And eventually something pops up and like, Hey, be consistent on eBay. They want you to see you put, even if it's just five things a day, it's better to put yep. five things a day over a month than 500 all at once. It's like, Oh, well, this is just guy one and done. And now I've been seeing, um, my sales increased that I've been being nice. consistent because I guess like yep. everything else, the algorithm wants to see you being consistent. So I was like, okay, yep. I can do that. Let me try something else. And that's. Yeah. And that's what everything I've read about TikTok is like, you need to put something out every day. Um, you know, make sure you do that for at least six months. What people are most concerned of what they're, what the number one concern for TikTok is, is viewing time because that means people are there. So it makes more, one of the things I've done the last few days is I've realized I can make a 10 second video, but then I have a list of something on the screen. Like the, the one that I put out yesterday afternoon was about the Pam and Tommy mini series on TV and how that could be very triggering for some people. And, uh, I made a list of like nine reasons it could be triggering. So that big headline is just should porn addicts watch pop top. Uh, Pam and Tommy. Mm -hmm. And then I've got, you know, some home sweet home playing in the background for six, seven seconds. And, but I don't read the list. I don't say the list. If you want to, if you want to read that list, you're probably going to have to watch my video two or three times. And so that's a view mm -hmm. that's extra time. You know, that's, it's everything that you need to have. And while I hate because so much of addiction is about manipulation and being good at manipulation, you kind of need to be doing some of that manipulation with the online world and understanding the algorithms. Now I'm hooked now. Cause now that can feed that little, you know, yes. that little bad brain or the bad side of you. Okay. I, but you I, know I, what? But the thing is it's, it's now, you know, I'm helping people. I'm making money. It's, it's maybe I'm using whatever my superpowers are. I'm not using them for bad. I'm using them for good. Uh, and that's what I have to do because I've, I've realized that there are just personality traits or, or DNA or whatever that is going to make me be the way I am. And that can either involve a whole lot of drinking and a whole lot of, you know, bad porn decisions, or I can try to use it for good because that energy is going to be there either way. Yeah. So no. I might as well, I might as well try to do something good out of it. Harness it. Yeah. Cause I, I yeah. I've been catching myself. There's a, a female friend, acquaintance or a friend of a friend that we started catching up. Like I didn't realize X, Y, and Z about her. She didn't know I had a podcast. So then she's been talking to me since then. And every now and again, I'm like, I could probably get her to do X. I could probably get her to do Y. I could probably get her to do this. And, and you know, it's, it's like that, that fight of like, don't do it. What are you going to get? You're, you're 3000 miles away. 
you know, yeah, well, that's the thing is that, you know, you can, uh, you can manipulate her enough to the point where you see her boobs or you see her masturbate. But once she's doing it, you're like, so what do I do with her now? You know, okay, she, guess what? She's got boobs like everybody else. <laughs> and so what do I do now? Well, the game is the manipulation and, and I won. I need a new contestant. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, okay, well, the game has to be, how can I make my next viral video? The game has to be, can I get a quarter million hits in a week? Can that, you know, and that's what I have to do because the game playing mind, the manipulative mind, I, I wish I could tell people that it's gone. It's probably, I've probably lost 40% of it in recovery, which is good, but it's never going to go away. I, you know, I, I think I said on the show last time, you know, if you like chocolate ice cream when you're an addict, you're still going to like chocolate ice cream in recovery. It doesn't change everything about you and it doesn't fix everything about you. And these are still things I have to work on as a human, but um, I'm always going to enjoy manipulation because manipulation tells me I'm smart mm -hmm. and I need to hear that and I need to see that and I need to see my ideas work. And so much of my life is predicated on what would happen if dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, what happens if I, and I just have to make sure the rest of that sentence is somewhat healthy sounding, um, because I, I sometimes, you know, uh, if I'm not, if I'm not conscious about it, what happens if I do this really horrible shit? <laughs> what happens if I hurt people intentionally just to see how they react? What happened? You know, I can't do that. I, I have to try to try to do it for good and, and not evil. and. That's, you know, looking at something like TikTok, it's like, okay, well, you know, I could spend my day looking at, you know, half naked women, or I could try to, you know, do something, you know, manipulative that way. Instead, I'm going to try to manipulate people into addressing their porn issues. Uh, there, you know, that's something they're not going to see coming. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, I can sideswipe people that way. And you look at my, the headlines I write for my TikTok, they're all clickbait. You know, they're all clickbait. They're, oh, what's this? And it's, 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 there are things about it that I don't know I would stop on my own stuff, but I'm not doing this for an audience of one. It's when I did, when I did my magazine, after about the first three, four issues, it was like, I'm running out of ideas. And I says, because this is not called Josh Shea magazine. You know, it's, uh, you know, you're, you have to make this magazine for other people. And mm -hmm. now I'm doing TikTok for other people, not just myself, but I can figure out ways to play games with myself and ways to run experiments and ways to do other things just to see what happens. You know, I was curious, would this Pam and Tommy thing be just another low ranker or would it go uh, viral? And thus far, it's doing better than a low ranker, but it's not going viral. Oh, so this maybe, maybe pop culture material does this well. I'm not sure. So sometime next week, I'm going to do something else pop culture and see what the numbers are. And then maybe I'll be able to figure out what pop culture does. Or maybe it's something else entirely. I don't know. But that's the game is to try to figure out, manipulate, you know, change variables and then see what happens. And that's my personality. And I just have to live with it. Yeah. Two things about that. One is knowing or recognizing to be able to think ahead. Okay. Not only what can I get this person to do, but then what happens afterwards, like thinking of the consequences. I think that's a good sign that 
yeah, you're, you're in recovery. Yeah. You're still kind of reverting a little, but you're not just jumping ahead on that initial action. Then with the, the pop culture thing, one thing I have noticed with, with just social medias in general is there's a big thing on reviews and reactions. So you could review the show, you could react like live what's going on with the show. And I've, I've seen channels of like just two dumb looking guys, just like, or you're saying you want to do a show together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we could, you know, cut, carve out some time. Um, I think we should call it two dumb looking guys. I think, <laughs> I think that's a fantastic name for a show. Right. Cause they're like, what? we're so no. much smarter than we look. That's mm. our tagline. Yep. <laughs> I don't know how much free time you got. Oh, very little. Unfortunately, the next thing I'm going to have to address is my caffeine addiction. Um, because it's not just an addiction, like the way the porn is like, I like this and I, I, you know, I'm getting something out of it. I don't think that my caffeine addiction is all about trauma at all. I think it's just about the fact that I am so freaking exhausted because the thing that I've, uh, with the TikTok exploding, like I said, I could be coaching 24 seven and I took yesterday was my birthday. So I took it off, but on Monday I had six clients in a day and that was my first time I've ever done six. And that, so that's six hours, five and a half to six and a half hours of talking and not just talking, but actively listening and having to follow up. I mean, you're, you're a interviewer, you know, that having a conversation with somebody in real life is a little different than when you're doing it on your show. You have to almost perform. And that's how I feel as a coach is that you have to be 100% of my attention. I don't have a TV over here, you know, playing the news. I'm not listening to music. I have to pay 100% attention to you and only you because we're trying to figure out some, some issues here. We have some answers we have to figure out. We have questions we're asking. You have to be a very active participatory listener. And that's exhausting sometimes. And I did six of them in a row. And yesterday, you know, my wife, you know, during the day she took, she had yesterday off. She said to me a few times, are you depressed today? Cause it's your birthday. And it's like, no, I'm freaking ex mentally still exhausted from yesterday because I had to, I have not had to actively listen to people for six hours in a day in forever. I don't know if I ever had, even when I was a journalist, I wasn't interviewing people six hours a day ever. So I was just mentally spent. And with all this other stuff happening now, my coaching business, thankfully, uh, me being able to kind of do what I want with it, um, I have to make sure I don't do too much. And I have to make sure that, you know, I keep things normal. I need to not do more than three sessions in a day, you know, because Two days later, I'm sitting here with you and I'm still tired from Monday. Um, and, and I know it's not physically tired, it's mentally tired. And so what happens? I have you know, a million of these friggin', you know, healthy sports drinks. I've, I finally have sworn off the Red Bull and the Monster and I'm drinking, you know, not a commercial, something called Alani. My wife bought it for me because hmm. she's trying to make me a little healthier. Um, one of the nice things is we moved my office upstairs. So now I go up and down stairs 50 times a day. Oh, you go. So it's like being on a stairmaster at a gym to a, to a degree. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm human. I have to stay awake. I have to keep doing this stuff. So right now it's, it's caffeine and 
can caffeine become an addiction? Maybe. I don't know if I am addicted to it or if I'm just using it a lot because I'm so tired. You know, I need a few days of just sleep and nothingness. But I'm also blowing up on TikTok. I'm also getting more hits than I ever did. Uh, you know, I've got, I, there are podcasts that I'm saying no to for the first time in my life uh, of going on them. I never thought I'd be that guy or be able to have that privilege of saying, well, you're just not big enough or it's just not my target or whatever. And it's like, you know, what, what, what an asshole, you know, I used to beg people to go on their podcasts and now I'm the asshole saying you're not big enough for me. And it's, it's all interesting. It's all confusing and it's all friggin' mentally tiring. And, uh, that's what I'm noticing really the, not to mention the grief, the, the, everything else going on in the world, in my life. Um, it's challenging and I can see how eight years ago when all of the shit hit the fan with my addictions, with all of the professional stuff I was doing with my personal life kind of falling apart, that I can see how I ended up in rehab and needing not, you know, just a few weeks of, okay, this is going to be great. I needed 10 weeks in that first rehab, not just to get away from alcohol, but just to get the frig away and just to. You know, if I needed to just sit there and stare at a mountain for, you know, six hours, I thank God I was at a place in my life where I had that privilege. I had that luxury that I could just sit there and watch a mountain for six hours because that's what I needed. And it's interesting. I was with my therapist this morning and she's like, yeah, you're having a lot of the same issues you maybe had back then as far as stress or as far as having to having a lot on your plate all you know the last couple of months you didn't see any of this coming um but you're now asking yourself am i healthy am i okay is everything going okay She's like you're asking yourself you can't stop the shit storms from hitting but you are asking yourself all the right questions and you weren't doing that before so i try to remind myself that perspective wise it's okay and health wise i probably am handling this much better because I would have been drinking myself silly or smoking myself under a table or going to prostitutes or doing something, you know, really maladaptive that was a big, big hit that I needed. Um, because I was always of the opinion, work hard, play hard. And now it's more like work hard, play healthy. That's what it has to be. And, and you know what? And, and for me, that can be a few, few hits off a joint at the end of the day. For me, that can be, you know, once a month or once in a great while going to a casino. You know, I, I don't have issues in those areas. I'm going to make sure I don't. But these are the ways that normal people blow off steam. And I can be a normal person. It's just not with alcohol. It's just not with porn. But I can, you know, there are people who have gambling addictions I don't have. And, you know, I feel horrible for them, but that doesn't mean I can't ever go gamble. It's the whole, oh, what's it called? California sober. You know, can you smoke? Can, can you, can you be in, you know, recovery and still smoke weed? And I've come to the conclusion. The answer is yes, because number one, it's not illegal in, in almost everywhere now. And number two, if you don't have addictive tendencies towards it, it's not addictive. You know, I look at, there are people who are addicts for climbing, especially here in Maine. We've got a few places that are really good for ice climbing. 
And there are people who are fanatics about it. You know, the kind of people who, uh, you know, the, the first thing they say at their, at their funeral is, well, Bob died doing what he loved best. Um, you know, that, that shit's dangerous to go do that shit. You clearly are an addict and you're going after the adrenaline or the dopamine or whatever it is being there doing that. I see a, an ice cliff and I look at it and I go, Oh, no fucking way. And I didn't know ice cliff climbing was a thing. I knew rock climbing. I just never. Yeah. No ice, 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 ice climbing is a big thing, uh, hmm. here in the Northeast and where, you know, some other countries where there's a lot of ice and, uh, but you're never going to see my uncoordinated ass, even five feet off the ground on an ice cliff. Um, so, you know, it's one of these things where I think the last year, one of the things I've really learned is that I can take part in behaviors that are addictive for some that are not addictive for me. And I can also turn away from what some people have as addictive behaviors that are not addictive for me because we're all individuals. And yeah, you know what? Maybe and I turned 46 yesterday. Uh, perhaps my dumb ass should have learned this 30 years ago when I was 16. But I finally figured that out in the last year. And thank God I figured it out now instead of when I'm 70 or never. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what life is. Life is a, but just about figuring things out as you go along and, and trying to do as little harm as possible and hopefully enjoying your ride. With, with our addictive personalities, do you think, like you were saying, that some things you can do and it doesn't bother you, do you go in thinking, okay, will this affect me? Or do you just go in knowing, hey, if anything happens, you'll deal with it later? Like, do you, do you analyze it beforehand or you just go through the motions Both. or whatever? Both. Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I, I, what's funny is that I was, last time I was at a casino was uh, before Christmas and I actually went to buy a couple vouchers for my, my brother and his, his wife, because they only go to the, they love casinos, but they only go usually, unless they're in Vegas once a year. So I get them each a $50 voucher. Now, the way you do that is you put the money in the machine and then you hit the button and it spits out the ticket. So you're giving them essentially, you know, the, 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 the ticket to use at the casino. And I was there and the last three times I've been at casinos, I have won hundreds and hundreds of dollars because I've got lucky. And I've had to tell myself, you do not have a system. You have a streak of luck there. Unless you're playing blackjack, which I don't because I don't have the mathematic mind for blackjack. The house always has the favors and this is luck. This is algorithms. This is right person in the right place at the right time, hitting the right button. And that's all it is because it's like, wow, I can take $50 to the casino and Based on my last three times, I can turn that into 300 every time. Holy shit. What if I did that every day? Why don't I wake up and <laughs> freak this, freak this coaching stuff, freak this book writing stuff. I don't need to go on another podcast the rest of my life. I can take my $50, go to the casino, put it in the machine and just win my big money. And it's like, no, that's not how it works because you've never had three times in a row like this in your life. You're lucky. Maybe I'll be lucky again my fourth time. Maybe I won't. But I think 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have told myself some kind of story where I would have needed to lose thousands of dollars over several visits before I got the message. And 
I'm now much more vigilant about that and vigilant to the point where, you know, I sit down for five minutes. I, I won $300 in five minutes the last time. And I said to myself, do I want to get up and leave? Because so it's found money. Why don't you just let it ride? Do a higher bet. What if you walk out of here with 3000, wouldn't that be cooler? That's like, come on, dude, hit the button. Get the damn button. You know, you don't want to, it's, it's two days before Christmas. You're here to buy a present. You already have these things. You got $300 extra. That's friggin' lucky. That's awesome. Hit the button, get in your goddamn car and leave. And that's what I did, you know? And that's what I will do. And my wife and I, you know, my, my wife is like, Hey, you know, maybe for Valentine's day, we go get a hotel room somewhere. She actually, ironically, there were, we had a COVID scare about three, four weeks ago. And so she went and stayed at that hotel that night. And we'd never stayed at the hotel that's near the casino because it's only 30 miles from here. So why would we stay in a hotel 30 miles away when we can just stay here? But she stayed there. She's like, it's such a nice hotel. So now we're talking about going and staying there some night. But I will have to tell myself, you can go to the casino. You're not going on some kind of new rules. Your old rules apply. You lose $50, you walk away, you win $100, you walk away, or you hit or you hit your time of 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, and you walk away. And I was always able to do that very well, but then here are the $300 pots or the $400 pots, and suddenly there's more incentive to stay because you have seen this happen to you finally, and you can be a winner. And holy crap, a couple times in a row? Well, obviously, I've, I've, I've figured the game out. I know how to do this now. I can win at slot machines every time. And it's like, no, dude, no, no. That's your faulty thinking. That's your, that's your mind. That's your, you know, that's, that's your faulty mind, your faulty thinking. And you know that while that is faulty thinking, you could perpetuate it and it could get even worse if you stayed there. You know that you could you could lose three hundred dollars just as easily as you made it, telling yourself I have to get back to even or I have to do better. So you know you have this self talk where you can manipulate yourself, where you can convince yourself. You know, I always say addicts gaslight themselves worse than anybody, and I could sit there and tell myself a story that would allow me to keep spending money and keep going after that next big hit. And I know that's what gambling addicts do. And I know gambling, and a lot of it for gambling addicts is the thrill of finding out what happens next. I've got somebody I know who was a roulette. Uh, I don't think they call them dealer. I don't know what they call them when you're a roulette pit person. But they've said, you know, you see somebody come in and literally put their week's check down on red. And you, see, you, look, in that, you look at that person. It's not whether they win or lose. Their excitement comes when that ball is going around the wheel. That's the most alive they feel all week. Whether they win, whether they double their money, or they lose all their money. Who knows how they're going to live if they lose all their money? Who knows what they're going to buy stupid if they double their money? But it's not about that. It's about what's going through their head when that ball's going around. And the only way they can get that dopamine or that high is to bet an amount of money that could really cripple them if they lose it. I just have to make sure I never get there. So 
when it comes to something that is a typical addictive behavior like gambling that I don't have a problem with, I make sure that I'm very uh, uh, cognizant, I'm very present, I'm very mindful that, okay, this activity has led people down a bad road and you don't want to do this. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I did try cocaine several times in my life and I can see why people like cocaine early on. It, yeah, it gave me fake energy. It gave me a sense of, you know, delusions of grandeur. It made me feel like I could take on the world. Um, but even back then, I was smart enough to recognize, oh my God, you do not want to get into this because number one, it's illegal. But number two, this is having a reaction with you that you could chase for a very long time. And I, I, I had to tell myself, no, don't do this. No, don't do this. Don't. And thankfully, the people I surrounded myself with were not frequent Coke users because where my mindset was 25 years ago, I could have easily fallen into that. I don't think I can now. I know you're never supposed to say never, but I don't think I would fall into that as easily these days because I try to be so uh, aware of what's going on. You know, it was cognitive behavioral therapy that helped me with the alcohol and the, the porn in constantly looking at my behaviors, constantly trying to decide what I was going to do, how I was going to make things better. So it's almost like a muscle memory now where I just mentally know, okay, watch yourself. And thank God, you know, I, like I said, I think there are probably a lot of people who get this naturally and they probably have it in place by 13 years old. Uh, it took me a few more decades, but thank God I'm there now. I, you know, gambling is one of those that I understand on paper, the whole, everything you explained that makes perfect sense. I understand that it's not about winning or losing. It's the, you know, the thrill while you're waiting to find out. But what's in tune with me is that meme of, I can't understand gamblers. I lose 20 bucks and I want to burn this motherfucker to the ground. And that's me. Like I'll put in 10 bucks. And if I lose that, I'm ready to just like knock over slot machines, you know, just act, act a fool. But I know that's not going to get my money back. And it's like, okay, it was just 10 bucks, right. but at least it was just 10 bucks. I'm not going to spend any more. I'm not going to keep going right. down, trying well, to get you know that 10 bucks if back. If you only want to spend $10, you go to the penny slots and you decide that, you know, this is not about winning and losing money. This is about being entertained. And you can sit down at a movie for, you know, you're, you're going to spend 25 bucks for you and a you know, you and your date to go to a movie and you're going to spend 40 bucks for you and your date to go to a movie and end up with a popcorn and drink. And that's two hours of entertainment. So $40 for two hours at the movies, what I do is, okay, well, can I play this for two hours? And for $40, that's the exact same entertainment dollar that I got at the movies. So if I end up winning, I'm ahead. Great. Even if I, even if I leave with $6 in my pocket, Hey, I didn't have to pay any money for that entertainment. Or if I end up losing, you know, $16, well, Hey, that's only 16 bucks. And I was here for 45 minutes and that was entertaining enough. So that's how, I, that's how I think in my mind, losing the money, I I've had to rationalize it is that uh, this is what is my dollar, you know, what is my entertainment dollar getting me? And I've been able to make it work, but I couldn't go and spend $5 on every roll on a slot machine because suddenly I'm down $200 in four minutes. And 
you know, it would be great if I was up $200 in four minutes. I don't think about it then. But like I said, when I was sitting there last, I was like, you've only been here a minute. Why don't you keep going? And it's like, nope, nope, nope. That's against the rules. That's not how we play this. I'm not here to be a tycoon. You know, I'm, I, I, I like playing poker and that's a different environment and a different way of thinking to me than I know a slot machine is nothing but me, you know, basically showing that I have the motor skills of a monkey doing this. And every once in a while, something good happens and it's like, oh, yay. But I can't pretend that that was my skill level. Uh, I did nothing special. I did nothing good. I just happened to be sitting in the right seat when things lined up. It's not a reflection of me being a good person, a bad person, making good choices, making bad choices. It's just an algorithm that says pay this out every this many spins lose this many spins and then give them a win and you hope you're sitting there when it works out well and but i like seeing you know hey real bar real bar ooh come on another bar another bar another bar that one second before that third wheel stops i do get that little dopamine hit it's like oh that's exciting but again i have to recognize normal people healthy people get excited about stuff it's like when you see every every uh, uh, antidepressant commercial on TV, you know, do you feel sad sometimes? Well, I fucking hope so. You're supposed to if you're a human. Otherwise, if you don't know sadness, you can't know happiness. There are, you know, we, we, if you know sadness, you don't necessarily need antidepressants. Do you know depression? That's when you need antidepressants. And it's kind of a matter of, recognizing, you know, yeah, people get excited and people get excited gambling. That's why a lot of people do it because it's fun. It's an activity. You know, when you are, when you see that bar hit one below where it should be, it's almost as exciting to go, oh man, I was so close. How awesome would that have been? And oh my God, look at that. And it's, 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 it's a game. I have a good friend who does have some gambling issues and he's like, I can't play slots because within 30 minutes, I'm talking to the machine and feel like I have a relationship with it. And it is actually, it is actually making decisions to try to hurt me. And it's like, okay, dude, that is, that is, that is not true, but that's where he goes with it. He thinks this machine has some resentment towards him. That is, or so he did, or this machine has recognized he's a good person. So that's paying out. And it's like, dude, no, you could, you could, you know, take an ax to the side of a nun's head and this machine may still pay out. It has nothing to do with whether you're a of good moral character or good moral standing or not. You know, you can have a, the, the, the matronly, kindergarten teacher who's been teaching for 60 years sitting next to a serial killer and that's not going to affect their play it's just going to be who they are and the law of averages you know roll a roll a die and you will find that you know 36 times rolling a dice or a die you should get each number six times statistically you're not going to, though. It's going to be a little bit skewed. And if you're hoping to get bigger numbers, oh, look, I got six, eight times. Well, if you put it into a payout scenario, hey, you did well. 
Well, you may also get a one six times or, or 12 times, and you that's a scenario where you lose money. It's 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 all by chance, and that's what that's one of those things that when I go and I do a casino thing, it's like, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, I know I'm talking it more to death here with you, but I walk into a casino, it's like, okay, keep your wits about you. You have no superpowers here. This is all based on chance. Do not, you know, do not start to believe. Uh, do not give any of these games human qualities. Uh, stick to the rules you have. And I am now at a place in my life where I can, and thank God I can. And I know most people can from the get-go. They never have problems with limits. They never have problems cutting themselves off with anything. And uh, because I had those problems with porn and alcohol, and and I was obsessive with other things. When I was a kid, I was a bit obsessive with video games. I was a bit obsessive with baseball cards. Um, you know, I, a year ago, I started doing crypto. And for the first two months, I probably checked it 20 times a day. And I can tell you, I checked my portfolio today, this morning. And if I remember, I'll check it again tonight, but I'm not there making little moves and day trading or doing that stuff because it got a bit obsessive. And I realized, okay, step back. You are not a crypto day trader. You don't have time for it. You don't know this stuff. And in what little you do know, um, can be dangerous because I also tend to have the personality type where I often think I'm smarter than I am, or I often think I'm more clever than I am. And it's only when, you know, the, the, the crypto gods or the gambling gods or the drinking gods or whoever it is kicks me square in the head that I learn the lesson. So as I, you know, mature, as I get you know, more complete as a person, I try to find those lessons before I have to experience the harsh reality of it. One question about your gambling friend. Does he realize how ludicrous he sounds after the fact, or does he still believe Absolutely. that he has those relationships? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And he knows it's stupid in the moment. He tries to tell himself no in the moment, okay. but his mind tells him that's where it goes. He's much more into sports gambling. Um, than anything you'll find in the main floor of a casino. You know, you'll find him at the sports book um, because he loves other sports and they make it more interesting for him to watch. Uh, but he'll play video poker if he's sitting there because he's at a, he's, he's, that's what they put in front of you in most sports books is a video poker machine. And he'll play that a little bit and realize that this is, you know, uh, while there is obviously it's not out to get him and it's not rigged against him, um, it's also not rigged for him and it's not about him. And if he thinks it's about him, move two seats over because uh, it's not about you at that other seat either. Um, and he's 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 also a former sex addict. He actually had an intercourse addiction. Um, he recognizes that his thinking is is poor when it comes to some of those games. That's why he tries not to do it. You know, that's why he's, he, he was the one who actually got me into crypto. He started a few, it was funny. He started a couple months before me. He was doing okay, decent, uh, because crypto did well early last year. Then I got into it. And the problem was he and I fed off each other was that, Oh, how's, how's your, how's your, you know, Cardano doing? Oh, good. I'm not touching Bitcoin. That's what all the others do. Everybody uses Bitcoin, but we're smarter than that. Let's go learn about the, the, let's go learn about the, you know, really obscure stuff that 
you know, th this, I got this coin and it costs, you know, five tenths of a penny, but it's going to go up to two cents and I'm going to get rich off. And it's like, Jesus, you know, this is, and he and I would go back and forth and I just read this and go look at this. And, you know, we, uh, we, we both saw where we were going and we, we actually had conversations about it. Like, you know, I'm looking at my crypto portfolio 25 times a day. I'm making little moves, not because they're smart, but because I need to make little moves. And it's like, okay, step back from this. This is not life or death, you know, and, and don't get obsessed with this. And TikTok's been the same way. You know, you're, I don't know a whole lot about the online world. I don't do very much in the online world that doesn't have to do with my professional endeavors, but Jesus Christ, in a first week out there, I get one of these viral videos as well. What happens when you get a viral video? I never thought that would happen to me. What happens next? And it was intoxicating. And then, in, you know, within a couple of weeks, I've got another big one hitting and it's like, this is fun. I like this feeling of millions of people watching me. I like the fact that I'm getting this information out there. And then I, you know, and that was like within two weeks, I had two giant videos. I've been doing it another six, seven weeks. I don't have another one of these million hitters. Maybe I never will. But that first week or two of nothing hitting big after the two big ones was like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I a failure? Why can't I get this right? What, and, and honestly, I, I, I don't know 100% for sure, but I think it's probably a lot more like blackjack. If you know all of the rules, if you know all of the subtleties, if you know everything, you might put a slight bit of advantage on your side. But even the smartest, best blackjack player will tell you that you have about a 51.5% chance of winning, even in the best scenario. So you're still losing 48.5% of the time. I think on TikTok, it's probably more like 99.9% .9 of the time nothing happens. And you can work it down to 99.7% of the time if you're smart. And you have to recognize, well, that's still very, very, very little. I'm not going to spend my life trying to chase that TikTok high that I got that first time from that first viral video. And I need to not get obsessed with this. Just because something cool happened, just because you had some success with it, just because this monetarily is going to do some good things for you, don't get obsessed with it. It's just not worth it. Because when things go bad and you're obsessed, they go really bad. You know, it, it's not just things are awesome. It's like things are also worse than they ever, ever could be. Uh, and I recognize that now when I feel super up about something, when I feel super high about something, the flip side of that coin is going to be that much worse uh, when, it, when it goes south, because almost everything in the world can go south. If something really good is going on, usually something really bad can go on. Now, do you try to mentally prepare yourself for something bad or you just recognize, okay, it can and then deal with it then? You know, it's hard because I'm not one of those, uh, here is the secret and law of attraction type people. I really don't necessarily think the law of attraction is real. I think that's a way for people to kind of turned a blind eye to how much hard work they put into something, to how much preparation they put into something. You know, you, you know, I've manifested this. Yeah, well, you also manifested it with 12 hours of hard work every day behind you. It's not like you waved a magic wand. 
you know, there is no secret. The secret is have a good fucking work ethic. Welcome to the world. You know, there's, there's a reason why you build a business, you have a good work ethic, you handle your money, you get rich. There's a reason for that. And there's also a reason for a random dude buying a, a, a Powerball ticket and getting super rich and having to file for bankruptcy next year. That's because it's a bad call to even buy a Powerball ticket. You know, people who, you know, you could say, well, this guy got a million dollars and he wasn't good with managing his money. Well, he wasn't good managing his dollar because he never should have played the lottery because that's a, that's, you know, you're, you have a one in 3.5 million chance or whatever it is of winning. Well, dude, that's stupid. You might as well give me that piece of money and I'll just tear it up for you. Cause that's what you're doing. So suddenly this guy who doesn't recognize he shouldn't buy lottery tickets has a million dollars. He's not going to handle money well, but the guy who, you know, very cautiously built his business and watched it grow and was smart with his money, he's going to be the one who's the long-term millionaire. And it's not because of this, the secret, it's because of work ethic. And it's because of, you know, really examining a situation. So I tend to tell myself that um, this could go bad, try to make this go good but make the healthy choices. Um, in the end, I, I think recovery, I think life, I think it all comes down to how you answer the question, am I making a healthy choice? Whether it's what you're eating for dinner, what you're watching on TV, where you go on vacation, there is always something healthier than not healthier. And how often do you choose the healthier, even when healthier and feels good, isn't the same category. I think because the healthier choice usually takes while for it to actually feel good inside of yeah. strictly speaking, like about food, like it takes about a few days to a week before you start feeling better and, you know, right. bad foods make you feel, Oh girl, just thinking about French fries, you know, turns your stomach versus going and getting a soda, which I'm, I'm thinking about right now because I'd given myself, I, I've had a, a problem with sodas for decades. I used to be like three fifty. I was drinking three to five, two liters of soda wow. a day, you know, one per meal, one, you know, between meals, whatever. And so now my treat is to have one while I'm, you know, recording a podcast. And I don't know if you've noticed while here, but I keep like looking at it, like, how can I get out of here real quick and grab a soda? And I was like, you know what? I don't need it. Like, finally, I'm okay. I don't have to have it every time. Okay. But, I can stand up and dance and tell jokes. <laughs> no, but I mean, the, the point is, is that I don't have to have the soda all the no. time, even though my little lizard brain right. tells me, hey, you earned it. You're doing a podcast right now. You're right. recording. Well, the question is, why do we ingest liquid? Because we need to survive. Because the only natural liquid that we can ingest is water. We've invented everything else. I mean, yeah, I know there's juice that you squeeze, but it's still the only really true natural existing liquid is water. And we've invented a million and one versions of water, you know, fruit water, sugar water, energy water, you know, we, we, soda is sugar water. And, you know, are you actually thirsty? Because a water would do just as good, if not more, to quench your thirst right now. It's something else in your brain. And that's what, you know, and, and it's fantastic. You, you know that, that so few people are able to recognize what's really happening within them. And, and I do now, and I can now, but I also ironically have to be careful that I 
don't become Mr. Know-it-all or I don't become Mr. 24-7 coach. You know, every once in a while, my wife will say to me or one of my kids will say to me, okay, coach Josh, thanks. <laughs> and that, and that means, can you please shut the fuck up? I try to recognize where the faults in my thinking can be. I try to recognize <laughs> where I could go wrong with uh. something, but I don't let it rule my life because to me, that's like so many of the people I saw in 12 step groups. You know, I, I granted, I, I'm talking to you here because I was a porn addict and now I do all this porn addict outreach. Um, I don't do any real alcohol outreach. There's already a million and one people who are out there doing that stuff. Um, but my alcoholism was just as bad as my porn addiction. And maybe not as bad, but damn close, you know, triggers still happen with alcohol. I've made so many poor choices, so many bad decisions with alcohol. And I have to be very vigilant about alcohol. Um, but I don't want to talk about alcohol 24 seven. I don't want to talk about sobriety 24 seven. I don't want to tell stories of my old drinking 24 seven. I don't want to hear your stories about your old drinking 24 seven. So sitting in a 12 step room is not the place for me because that's mostly what you get. And when I sat in 12 step rooms, I kind of felt like these are all addicts who are just white knuckling and they're not dealing with the bigger problems and they're not really developing, you know, great strategies beyond call a friend. Yeah. And, and some of these people who I met, especially in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, okay, well, before the meeting, I'm going to go out with, you know, a fellow, uh, you know, a fellow aa -er, and, you know, I promise you at that dinner, they are talking nonstop about alcohol and drinking. Then you go to the hour, hour and a half long meeting. It's nothing about, it's only about drinking. And then afterwards, you know, five or six people all go out together, go bowling. And, you know, one team name has to be the teetotalers. And the other team name has to be the, you know, the, the recoverers. And they have to live their entire life every step of the way in recovery. And despite the fact that, you know, I do a lot of the porn stuff professionally, I also do want to be able to turn it off because I'm not a active porn addict anymore. I don't want to go home and white knuckle. I don't want to go home and, uh, and uh, you know, have to fight cravings. And I don't, you know, I can watch Pam and Tommy and I'm now eight years, you know, I'm almost eight years sober now. I can do that now. I couldn't do it seven years ago. And it's not the fact that I just don't look at porn that makes me able to do that. I'm able to recognize, hey, you know what? Uh, Lily James, I think that's who was the, the plays Pam Anderson. Um, yeah, uh, her, her breasts are like 32B at best. And I read an article that said she is wearing a giant like rubber prosthetic to recreate Pam Anderson's breasts. So what is she wearing? A costume. Those aren't real boobs. Her costume has more in, in common with a tire than it does a, you know, real set of breasts. So I can watch it. It's not triggering. Why? Because I've told myself those aren't real breasts. That's how I can do that. That's how it's easy enough for me. If they were her real breasts, could I watch? It might be more triggering. I probably could watch where I am now because I have enough other techniques and enough other tools to not let it take over. Probably still not the smartest deal, but 
Tommy Lee, the guy who plays Tommy Lee, Sebastian Stan, he's got this giant fake prosthetic penis he's wearing. It's not real. I know it's not real. Um, nobody has a penis as big as Tommy Lee. Because um, that thing was... Yeah, yeah. Well, they're showing nudity, but it's it's all rubber parts. Because I actually went, I actually went and I read an article about it. How you know they would they would laugh a lot on set because whatever was keeping these giant rubber breasts on her would fall off all the time when it was really hot. And are they showing okay, nudity on that, it, or are they just like, like you can funny. kind of? Okay. Um, she's basically wearing a bikini right, okay. of big thick I, boobs. I didn't realize that. That's not what I'm into. I am into the real thing, and these are totally fake. These are closer to a tire on my car than a real set of breasts. So it doesn't trigger me whatsoever because I've had that dialogue with myself because I recognize that. But I, eight years past porn addiction, who never liked large fake breasts, who never was a fan of Pam Anderson, still had to tell myself, okay, should I do this? And I determined after watching an episode, after not being triggered, after reading about it, this is okay for me. Might not have been okay for me a few years ago, but it's okay for me now. And I think you have to take this kind of stuff almost on a piece-by-piece uh, -piece basis. And is it work? Sure it is, but if I was a diabetic, I'd have to watch my blood sugar and maybe give myself insulin shots. If I you know, was an amputee, I'd have to you know, deal with the issues that come with that. You know, we all have different issues in life. Mine happen to be based around addiction, and I have to do what I have to do to uh, still maintain my health, but I don't want to live in a constant state of where uh, I'm going to see boobs. Oh, my God, that's going to be bad. I'm going to see boobs. Oh, no, that's going to be bad. That's going to be, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't live my life like that. You know, half the population has boobs. I'm bound to see a few of them. That doesn't mean that I have to go back to this lifestyle. That's where I'm at now. That's where I was able to get to now. And it took eight years for me to get here. Thank God I did. It's very freeing, you know? And, uh, and I think that's what more people need to, you know, do is not just figure out a way to put a giant red X through everything, but figure out how to exist in a world that has this stuff. You know, I, I remember being in rehab and, Almost finding it kind of uh, offensive how many uh, of the of the some of the younger clients would be like didn't think they were alcoholic even though they drank every night and drank a ton every night because their problem was heroin or their problem was meth and that's a big deal and then you hear them talk about their drinking it's like can you not drink oh no I like to drink when I do this well okay uh, maybe you're an alcoholic too oh no 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 I just I'm just I'm just into meth. Well, are you just into meth because that's the worst thing you're into? You know, and, and they're like, oh, you have no idea how rough it is with meth. You know, no, I'm abs you're absolutely right. I do have no idea how rough it is with meth, but I also do know how rough it is with alcohol. And unlike meth, I can go to 7-Eleven and get my beer. And I can, you know, and my state has state liquor stores. My state actually is making money off of people who are addicted to this stuff. And, you know, Going out to dinner for my birthday last night. We went to a nice place. They have a very big wine menu and a very big drink menu. Nobody's bringing you the weed menu. Nobody's bringing you the meth menu. Nobody's bringing you the heroin menu. But they're bringing my addictive menu. How do you think that is every day? You know, so 
addiction is different with everybody and everybody faces challenges and it's not, you know, I'm better than you here or, you know, it's just a matter of trying to deal with it on your own terms and hopefully overcoming it and becoming more healthy because I just see so many people who, even if they stay away from the behavior, don't truly in their mind heal or don't truly in their mind develop a strategy for not having to deal with this stuff in a way where it doesn't take over their lives. You know, you and I are finish up this podcast. I'm not thinking about pornography the rest of the day, probably until I have to make another TikTok in a few hours. And then I'll have to come up with a concept for that and think about, okay, a 22 year old guy is probably my target audience. What does he need to hear about porn today? And what do you know? I don't do the betrayal trauma stuff on TikTok because my demographics show that I have a large single male audience that's young. So betrayal trauma isn't there, isn't their thing. It has to be porn addiction. So I will talk about porn addiction for those few minutes and then I'll go watch the Olympics with my wife and finish the night doing that. Once in a while, I'll check TikTok to say, oh, how are the hits doing? Or is anybody paying attention? But it can't be your life. It can't, or it can't be my life. It, I cannot be all consumed by only one thing. That's the problem. That's still obsession. Somebody who is a hundred percent, you know, there are people who do three AA meetings in a day and are still wrapped up with everybody else in it all the time and are doing service projects all the time and are always going to the conventions and all. And if that's what they need to do to stay sober, by all means, do it. But I don't want anything to take over my life like that. Yeah, that was something I noticed in SAA is that it was similar to AA where, you know, everybody's just like constantly talking about it. But for me, it, it didn't really help me other than the sense that, okay, at least I'm not as fucked up as that guy. At least I'm not. Oh, yes. shit. Yeah, exactly. You did that? Exactly. Really? You know, and it's, it's kind of like, okay, I'm not as bad as these guys. So you have this holier right. than now, even though you're not through the stuff. Like I didn't go through all the steps with SA. I work better with um, Celebrate Recovery because, you know, they, they have more of a plan of how to go through things. It's not, you know, this right. group therapy of white knuckling it and just talking about what you dealt with. I mean, they're there to kind of help you and lift you up, but you know, that's what worked for me. Um, I know one-on-one didn't work for me. I didn't want to listen to it because what does this clinician know about sex addiction? They know book stuff, but they don't, they can't relate to me like you and right. I can relate to each other. And right. you know, the, the group stuff with SAA didn't click. Celebrate Recovery didn't for a while because they were, they had other addictions. Mine was intercourse and they were, you know, pornography, prostitution, all these other things. And so I still couldn't relate on that sense, but once I actually did the work. So, I mean, everybody's going to have their own way of dealing with it. And that's the one thing I I do like promoting that you, you have your ideas that you say, Hey, you know, this is what worked for you and being able to recognize that everyone is different. Everyone's going to, someone might actually need that clinician to do one-on-one because right. Yeah. No, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one-on-one therapy was one of the things that absolutely clicked with me because, and maybe it's just my personality trait. Like I say, I've never met a stage I don't like. And sitting down with a therapist is like being interviewed. I'm the, I'm the focus of attention here. Maybe, maybe that, you know, appeals to that little part of me. Um, I, I, I don't know. And, and maybe my, uh, I, I, I fully believe that Part of my recovery is sitting here talking to you now. Part of my recovery is doing the coaching with my clients. And that keeps me on the straight and narrow. And that's what works for me. But 
I don't think anybody else can go out and do what I just, what I've done over the last four years um, or the last five years with writing three books, with going on, you know, 300, 400 podcasts with now having this, you know, TikTok thing explode, you know, that it's a lot of time, a lot of work and that's, but a lot of it, the driving force has been, this is keeping me sober and maybe I'm just that weird, you know, break the mold kind of person who this is what it was for me. You know, uh, SAA, you had a very different take than I did. I didn't stay very long because where I was, it was mostly men complaining about their wives. And it was like, okay, your wife sucks and she won't give you a lot of blowjobs. And you're only here because she told you you had to be here. And, you know, and, and you think that, you know, you have a right to go to a prostitute now because she's not putting out for you. And, and it's like, uh, you know what? Hearing you try to make justifications is not going to help me in the long run. And it was a lot of that for these guys. And I enjoyed it when I was in Dallas at rehab, but I didn't enjoy it up here in rural Maine. It just was different people, different stories, different, uh, you know, uh, situations didn't work for me, but I know I knew men in that group who had been in that group for eight, 10 years. So it must've been working for them. And that's why it bothers me when no matter what the addiction is, when you hear people, you know, put down somebody else's, uh, road to recovery, or one of the things that really gets me is when you have somebody and, and Christians are the worst with this is, you know, if you don't have God, if you don't have my God on my terms and you're not following my God's rules, you can't get better. That's like, well, can you introduce me to your God? Well, well, no, well, just look at the Bible. Well, you're interpreting a lot there. I might interpret differently. You know, we, everybody's God is a little bit different. Even if we all read the same book, even if we all go to the same building on Sunday or Saturday, all of our understandings of the afterlife and God are a little bit different. And I have seen plenty of people heal without any spiritual side of things, without any God. And it really drives me. One of the, one of the things that I will respond to quickly on TikTok is when somebody says, you just need to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's not how you cure addiction, dude. Maybe there are a few people who have got better because they did that, whatever that means. Um, but if you are an atheist, if you've never had spirituality in your life, if you don't go to church or anything, Jesus is not going to do much for you because you've had no concept of Jesus to this point. Somebody who has been following Jesus their whole life, maybe they'll be able to say, yeah, just follow Jesus. He helps me. Okay, well, he, he he does, but this person's in a different place, and we all have our own path. For some reason, my path went through being a writer, uh, doing podcasts, doing this stuff. This is all, you know, uh, while I love helping other people, I like being able to, you know, pay my mortgage. At the end of the day, this is about keeping myself sober, and I have found a way to, you know, kill a few birds with one stone. Well, congrats on that. That is a little something I am envious about. And it, it's frustrating because at the same time, I know I could do it. I know I could have the dedication to it. It's, it's you know, whether it's a laziness, self-care, whatever you want to call it, it's just like, ah, uh, the frustration. Well, can you get, can you get addicted to something else that's good? Can you get it? Can you get obsessed with something on the good side? I know if I went on 
you know, it's funny. You look at TikTok, these women who are only there to advertise their OnlyFans pages and are, you know, jiggling around or these buff dudes who want you to go look at their OnlyFans pages or go watch their, their camp shows. You know, these guys and gals, I have more hits than them, ironically. And, and I have better numbers than they do. And it's just the process. It's just how we find our way through this. I found my way with TikTok and I found my way with podcasts. I found my way writing books. I did some of the traditional stuff in the past, but I've never been a traditional person. No one in my city ever tried to start a film festival. I did. No one in my city ever tried to have a regional magazine. I did. Um, you know, plenty of people have run for office, but how many, you know, 99.99% of people will never run for office, but I did. I'm a dude who's clearly outside of the box. Um, whether it's by design or whether it's just the way I'm wired, I don't really even question it anymore. Um, it's, it's, I'm different and I'm going to do what I need to do. And if you are one of those non-boat rockers who lives in the 50th percentile and never wants anybody to see them and never wants to public speak and just wants to keep your head down and, and live a cubicle life, that's okay. That's perfectly okay. If you're going to get better that way, if that's the way you operate, that's freaking fantastic because you are getting to the same place I am. We're just taking different roads and there's nothing wrong with either road we're taking. But some people want to tell you you can only recover the way they did yeah and that's that's like i said that's something that's frustrating because you and i have different ways or modalities of recovery and everyone else is going to have that same issue it's just a matter of recognizing it and realizing hey if one thing doesn't work keep trying until something does don't just give up because the first thing you tried didn't work i mean the first job you took isn't what you're going to end up being in your career so why would you expect something to help you be better Go work on the first time. If it does, great. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, my first girlfriend, I figured she was not going to be my childhood sweetheart who became my wife and I lived with forever and the only one I ever was with. And it turned out I was right. I can't even tell you where she is now. Uh, but, but if she had been the perfect woman, that's okay too. Everybody has a different path and you need to be able to uh, ignore the naysayers when you're on your path, but also try not to be an asshole when it comes to people taking a path that you either would choose not to take or you understand would not work for you. I went to one Celebrate Recovery meeting in rural Texas, and it was like a tent revival meeting. So I hear celebrate recovery and I'm suddenly in this place where people are dancing around and, you know, feeling the spirit and there's a bad Christian band playing and people are falling on the floor or speaking in tongues. And, and, and I know that's not most celebrate recovery. I've heard about, I've heard plenty of celebrate recovery stories, but my celebrate recovery story is that I walked into some 1973 Smokey and the Bandit subplot that was just freaking weird. So I don't think that Celebrate <laughs> Recovery would ever work for me in that modality. But you know what? I'm going to guess your meetings aren't that freaking crazy. And you know what? If they are, good for you. You, you wave your hands. You flail on the ground. If that's keeping you healthy, you do it. 
it's just not my, it's just not my modality. Oh, we, we got to cover your, your socials and stuff before I actually forget or run out of time. Yeah, it's real easy. Everything is the letter P and then addict recovery, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all P addict recovery. I don't have Facebook. Um, and the, the joke is always, I don't have Facebook cause I don't care who you voted for. And, uh, and I, I don't have Snapchat because I don't see any use to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's how you can find me on everything. I'm on LinkedIn under my name. If you need that, although I rarely ever go there, uh, professional straight laced white collar people are not necessarily my people I've found out. So yeah, P addict recovery on all your socials. And then the email, uh, is P addict recovery at gmail.com. The website is pedictrecovery.com. My first website was recoveringpornaddict.com. And I learned that people don't want to type the word porn into a search engine, even if they just want to learn about it. So I had to take that word porn and remove it. And it's like TikTok. You can't put the word porn into TikTok. It will just basically, it'll let, it'll let you make something, but it won't be available to people. So if you're going to write the word porn, it has to be the letter P, the number zero, and then RN, and get around the things that way. That explains some titles, yeah, because I've, I've seen some other stuff where it's um, SEGS, but S-E-G-G-S, and stuff. Yeah. Why, what, what? What's going on with this? But okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's, you know, yeah, if I, if I put the word penis, the I is going to be the number one because that's going to get red flags and we can make arguments whether it should or not, but you and I are not sitting at the TikTok table. So play by their rules. I love the conversations we have. I do too. I really, really do. It's, it's more chill. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like an interview. It just feels like just us hanging no. out. So, you know, yeah. I'd like to stick to try to get this back to like once a quarter. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I know, I know Christmas was crazy. Well, just people dropping dead all around me. It gets one of those things where you get sad. And then you get very sad and then another person dies or something else happens. And it's like, oh, this is just, this isn't even shocking anymore. I don't have room for shock anymore. All I have room is for it being surreal. And then at the same time, I've got this TikTok thing I don't understand blowing up. So there's all this grief, but there's all this weird energy and excitement and just, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, hey, it's life. You ride it. And who knows what will be going on in each of our lives three or four months from now when we do this again. Yeah, well, I look forward to it, Josh. Have a great day. Absolutely. Uh, my condolences to your wife. I hope she's doing Thank better. You. I know I'm just a random internet stranger and technically, but I do care and worry about her just because I'm also an orphan. Just same boat. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'll, I'll share that with her and, you know, I appreciate it as well. And yeah, like I, I, I agree with you. I, I, <laughs> I wrote to you, hey, do you want to do this again? And because uh, I enjoyed myself last time. I don't do that with other podcasts. I don't know if you have five listeners or 5,000 listeners because it doesn't matter to me. I like the conversation we have. Great. I appreciate it. And again, look forward to the next time. I'll let you go and we'll see each other hopefully in the next few months. Absolutely. We'll be in touch. Thanks a lot. My listeners, thank you. I love you. You're worthy of it. Till next time, besos.